So this is the 2.15 afternoon session. Welcome. My name is Shelby Pratt. I am the finance director for the Ohio Ministry Network and also the executive pastor at Hope Church in Plain City, Ohio, and with where my wife is the lead pastor. Um, this is the church finance and administration questions session, or FAQ. Um, this is a session that I love having because I love helping churches and the, mo- the most direct way that I know I can help a church is to answer a question that they are facing at- in their current situation. And so the only reason I had the lights off was because was because we couldn't see the screen and we don't really need to see the screen anymore. So we can turn the lights off again. I'm fine with that if you want to. Um, but uh, so... Welcome. Uh, this is this is since I'm only doing this. I did this twice last year, and so I was kind of hoping that what happened would happen, and that, so I'd have one larger session instead of two that weren't as large. Because I'm going to tell you, in the second session last year, I really thought it was going to be a very short session because I stood up here and we looked at each other for about 30 seconds to a minute before anybody asked a question, and I was like, "Well." I guess we won't be doing this, this session anymore, but we tried it one more, and I'm glad you all are here. Um, so, go. <laughs> yes, sir, Monty. The question is, and you'll forgive me since this is strictly a Q&A session, I will do my best to encapsulate each question for the benefit of our listeners. Uh, what, how are the new tax, how's the new tax reform going to affect our churches? Uh, that is a really good question. And I, I want to say on the whole, from what I have heard from, uh, uh, from what I have seen myself and what I have heard, uh, with, from a recent webinar that I, that I had, uh, attended is that there will be some concern that people are going to lose a little bit of the benefit of their tax deduction for their charitable giving because the standard deduction has gone up so much. Is anybody in here worried about that? Did anybody? Are you now? Because I just said that. Don't be. Don't be, because the reality is most people already utilize the standard deduction when they file their taxes. And so, though that they love getting that tax document from the church that says how many gifts, that, what their gifts were that they gave at the end of the year, um, it's probably not going to affect their ability to actually use that document because they weren't using it anyway. They were just tucking it in with the rest of their tax documents. They handed it to their tax preparer and had no idea that it meant nothing to the tax preparer because they were already using a standard deduction. I'm going to be honest those are the people that actually gave you a charitable gift. Because they gave because they wanted to. They didn't give because they were going to get a tax deduction for it. That's just me personally, but that's where I am. Then it's going to help. It's going to help because people will get more in their pay. Uh, people are having less taken out in taxes. So theoretically, especially for those people that maybe gave you know their tithes based on the net pay instead of gross, and I won't debate that because you have to give on your gross. Um, uh, uh, that will actually cause them to be a little bit more generous, I think, because they'll have a little bit more dis- discretionary income, disposable income to use, and so hopefully that will help them be a little bit more generous. Um, so we'll see. Are the new tax tables more complicated? You're talking about for payroll purposes? Yes. Um, 
I would not think so, but I don't do payroll manually, so I have no, I have, I'm, unfortunately, I don't have a clear answer for that. But if you use a third party service or if you subscribe to a payroll service that's integrated with your church software, that's already taken care of for you. Even, now, this is a good question for me to remind you all for this. Uh, there is a new W-4 form as of February 28th is when it was released. So for those who are at all responsible, have all of your employees fill out a new W-4 form. Technically speaking, it's, it's advisable for them to fill out a new one every year anyway, but especially this time, because one thing that did happen, happens to me, and I was worried, I was worried that it was going to impact me adversely. I have a 17-year-old as of this year. Uh, she will be, she is 17 now, and, and if you will have, or if you, if you will have someone turn age 17 on or before December 31st, that is no longer a qualifying child for you. So if you were having your W-4 calculated based on, on, so whether or not the new tax tables affect you, if you have somebody turning 17, you want to file a new W-4 because they are no longer a qualifying child for the, for the child tax credit. So I went from three to two. And so I wanted to fill out a new W-4 to see how if, if that was going to adversely affect me personally. Fortunately, I'm always a little conservative in my W-4 filing. So I actually was already claiming what I'm now claiming on my new W-4. So actually, and, and though I filled out the new W-4, which won't go into the, until my next paycheck, um, uh, our payroll company, because they got the tax table updates earlier. Here I go again. Who was in the room when I started coughing earlier? I'm going to pull out my cough drop nice and early this time. Oh, don't start doing that because that's going to make me cough too. <coughs> um, um, so I've always been a little conservative in doing that. So I, I, I had didn't affect me adversely, and pay our, our payroll company paychecks on my second pay payroll, the first one that would have been for 2018 pay. They already had the new tax tables in place, and and my net pay. Oh hi, here. Did you did you want me facing away from you because you caught me out of the corner of your eye? Oh, okay, that's okay. Ricky, Alex, I can I cannot I can. I should have said I should have just said Camacho, right? Because then I would have been right. Um, these these brothers are awesome. They 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 are always roaming around with all of our events, doing stuff for us. So thank you. Um, so my my net pay, my take home pay, went up about thirty one dollars, just because of the new tax table. So I was like, so knowing that that again may help others be more charitable. Others, yes, ma'am. Eighty-two seventy-four. So my question is, can we resend that once it's in place? Can you can you remind me and everybody else what the eighty-two seventy-four is? <laughs> that the um, employees, that the pastor is self-employed, mm-hmm. but the employees they have to. Um, well, I have it here. They have to pay their own taxes. Oh yes, because you're a church. Because you are a church. Um, it's an interesting environment where payroll tax withholding is not absolutely mandatory. You can, you can opt out of that. Can you rescind that? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. That's never been anything I've ever worked my way through. I would, 
I don't know. And do pastors have self-employed. Ah, do that one I can answer. Uh, do pastors have to be self-employed? That's an interesting question and and I will say it this way. I'm going to be a little bit facetious here. No. Pastors are self-employed. So Okay? The IRS looks at anybody who holds a ministerial credential and they say that in regards to Social Security and Medicare, you are self-employed. There's not an are you. It is you are. Now, you, then the minister, though, so what that means is the minister is, uh, in regards to Social Security and Medicare, um, they pay self-employment taxes. They do not pay, pay FICA. They don't pay half Social Security and half Medicare with the church paying the other half. They pay all of that because a self-employed individual is their own boss. And so they pay both the employee and employer portion with a minor tax deduction off the top. But they pay self-employment taxes as opposed to um, Federal Insurance Contributions Act taxes, which is the tr- traditional half-and-half half split. That's only in regards to ministerial income. If they serve as a greeter at Walmart or they... Um, Whatever else they were, fast food, God bless them. I hate to think that any pastors having to do that. Um, but wherever else they might work that would be classified as secular employment. And theoretically, it could technically be ministry employment, but if it's not been established properly, maybe they have, they're honest. If they have not been properly assigned from agents, from net, from, from church A to parachurch B, that is secular employment, even if they're reverend so-and-so. So there's, that's a, I don't want to get all into, entangled in that. For income tax purposes, they will almost always be considered an employee. But again, income tax withholding is not required of them, but advisable. They can have a voluntary withholding agreement to withhold what is needed for their income tax liability and their self-employment tax liability. So there are, they have this weird dual tax status where in regards to Social Security and Medicare, they're self-employed. And in regards to income taxes, they're an employee. And so they pay two, two different. It's all under that umbrella of payroll tax, but there are two different taxing systems at play. And they can have on the income tax side, they can estimate the amount that they need to, to have withheld to cover the totality of their burden and have all of that contributed to... No, not contributed. It's not a gift to the IRS. They can, they can have it all withheld and sent to the IRS as income taxes. And then it basically builds up a surplus. And then on their tax return at the end of the year, they take that surplus and cover their self-employment tax liability. You said you had a lot. I'll give you one more first. The pastor is paying his own taxes, which is not what he wants to do. He wants the church to send it for him. Okay. So he could withhold a larger amount on the total amount, build up the withholding, and then use it. Yeah, the IRS is happy to receive whatever money it's going to get from a church. They're going to put it in as as withheld income taxes. Okay. So if he fills out a W-4 
on line number six, he simply puts in the additional amount that he wants to have withheld. Uh, whatever the allowance with the withholding allowances that, that have been laid out, one, two, three, four, five, or six, or whatever they might be, that will take care of whatever his income tax burden would be. And then line six of W-4 form is where he would say, now every paycheck take out another $250 as additional federal withholdings. So whatever was calculated, let's just say it was $150 plus $250, so $400 now per paycheck is going to go to the IRS. But at the end of the year, he's going to do his tax return, and that extra $250 is going to, a month or however often he gets paid, will become what what has been already contributed to cover his self-employment tax burden. Your turn. The question I was asked was, how does it relate to, based on the question she asked, how does it relate to the bifurcation of past in terms of his self-employment? So how, is there any other implication for the bivocational pastor in regards to self-employment? Um, well, there is, there is a possible, a possible uh, modification to everything I just said regarding that. If he's bivocational, again, whatever that regular secular employment would be, that's going to be taken care of through just regular withholdings from that employer for all the income taxes, Social Security, Medicare. For that bivocational pastor who, who maybe has half of his earnings from that secular employment and half of his earnings from ministry employment, it's very likely that or possible that the earnings he's getting from his from his church could all be classified as housing allowance. And if that's the case, then none of it is subject to income taxes. Um, for the minister who gets all of his compensation from the church, a portion of that will be housing allowance and is exempt from income taxes. And but all of it, no matter how much is coming from the church, all of it is subject to self-employment taxes. So even if you have a bivocational pastor who has secular employment taking care of everything over there, whatever he or she receives from ministry is also subject to self-employment taxation. Even though it's not subject to income taxes as housing allowance, it's still subject to self-employment taxes. In that scenario... Here's what could happen to if he doesn't want to bother with quarterly estimate or she doesn't want to bother, bother with quarterly estimated taxes. He or she could go to the secular employment, fill out a new W-4 form and have that form say, hold out an extra $250 a paycheck. And so he, he or she is still able to send all that money on to the IRS so they don't have to worry about doing the quarterly estimated taxes throughout the, throughout the course of the year. Why would you want to do that? Less, less personal, fr- you know, frustration and headache of having to do it. And you are, uh, in that scenario, when you are paying quarterly estimated taxes, you are behaving like a self-employed person. And I know you are, because you're a minister, but you don't have to behave that way in regards to your tax forms. And so if you can do everything where you're only getting a W-2 and not a 1099, well, in this case, if it was all housing allowance coming from a church, you wouldn't even get that. You would just get a memorandum from the church, that, or, or if you're the treasurer, you would provide a memorandum from the church that says, we paid you X number of dollars as housing allowance. Um, but when you submit quarterly estimated taxes, you are functioning like a self-employed individual, and you are marginally more likely to be audited than if you just do everything with a W-2 and you let your additional withholdings hap- take care of your self-employment tax liability. 
if the secular job is with a nonprofit 503 corporation, would that have any effect on the ministerial side of whether self whether he would be self-employed or not? Um, would would employment for another nonprofit adjust the self-employment status of a minister? I would say it could. Uh, if if it is if it if it is Reverend Smith working for the American Red Cross, no, because that's secular employment. It just happens to be for a nonprofit organization. If it is Reverend Smith working for Samaritan's Purse, then it comes back to that earlier comment that I made about how that person got assigned to that other parachurch organization. If there is an official assignment from denomination or church A to the parachurch B, then yes, it could still be classified as ministerial employment that would be then, you'd still have availability of housing allowance, you'd st- and, but, then, but then again, you'd be subject to self-employment taxes. Here's the interesting thing that I have so often just kind of, well, I used to get frustrated by it, now I just kind of laugh at it. Unfortunately, many um, church board members I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> um, don't understand. So it's really good you're here. Don't understand. They, they hear this, oh, you have this tax-free housing allowance. And they think that it is this wonderful benefit for Pastor Smith. It is not. That is... A f- I'm going to be careful because this is being recorded. <laughs> It's, 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 it's a, it's a misnomer at best. It's a fallacy at worst, at worst, because yes, you, you're able to qualify for this housing allowance exclusion, which reduces your income tax liability. But you already heard me say you're self-employed and you're paying all of your social security, Medicare liability as a self-employed person. So yay, my, my income tax bill went down $300. But my self-employment tax bill went up $3,000. So, there is a way to fix that, though. Your church has the capability of providing additional compensation to assist with the minister's self-employment tax bill. If you do so, whatever dollar that you provide needs to be considered fully taxable. It needs to be salary. Um, but that way you can provide that assistance. So uh, to real world example, when I became a church administrator, I was learning. I was a greenhorn. They had never had one. I had never been one. It was not a match made in heaven because I was figuring out as I went along what it meant. And along the way, I realized we have three of our pastors being processed in this manner and three and two of our pastors being processed in this manner manner. And these three were wrong. And I unfortunately was one of those three. And they, and I learned this all, people have asked me, where did you learn this? Richard Hammer's Church and Clergy Tax Guide. Oh, wait, when I started, it was this big. I'm not lying. It is this big now. Um, and the fine print, I and mean, it's not, it's not large print. It is, um, so I just started reading through his book and realizing we've got some ministers that are being handled incorrectly because we are we are getting the tax-free housing allowance and the church is paying half of our Social Security Medicare. Can't have both. Can't have both. And so I, you know, I, I presented all to the board and they said, well, I guess we're just going to have to, you know, you guys are going to have to pay your own taxes because that's what the other two were doing. Of course, they were also the two highest paid. 
we were just the, like the youth pastor and children's pastor and little old church administrator. <laughs> and so I started doing the math. And that the example, the numbers I just gave you, if 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 it now became my responsibility, I was going to have to pay three thousand more dollars in self-employment taxes that I had not been paying before. But Here's what the benefit that I had. The church had already gotten accustomed to paying that as Social Security and Medicare. They were just treating it as tax. It is, they weren't associating it with Shelby or Ronnie or Mark. They were just, it was included in the whole church because we had about 10, 15 people on staff. It was just payroll tax to the church. And I said, well, you know, you guys are already, because of, you've been paying it incorrectly, you've already been absorbing this additional cost. Is there any possibility that that could just be paid as an, like, instead of doing that, just let each of us have a raise this amount. And by doing that, my income tax bill went up $300. I was happy for a $300 increase. So, next question. Well, can, can, can we pause a moment on here? You still get, if you get housing, mm-hmm. and whatever it is, ten fifteen thousand $15,000, you know, you get that. And there's... Um, and the church pays the um, the fifteen point three percent off of it. It, it. That would be the equivalent of self mm-hmm. taxes. All right. Um, and so you you got a benefit there somewhere around there. But the second benefit is that income's not counted. But if you own a home, you get to claim your taxes that you pay on that home that comes out of that very money that you don't even claim. That is true. And he's talking about what would be commonly referred to as a double deduction. Um, but notice also what he said. The church is providing the 15.3%. So they are providing the self-employment taxes. Actually, they're paying the entire amount, not just the half and half amount. So that that is the... So that's like the ultimate benefit that Pastor Dan is just mentioning there, because in that scenario, the church is providing the self-employment tax assistance. That that assistance to him is taxable. The income, the housing allowance itself is not. But then, if he owns his home, he is able to then claim the interest as a deduction. He's able to claim the the property taxes as a deduction. So he's able to get not only the free housing allowance, but he's also able to get a tax deduction later on for it. So that's the ultimate benefit you could possibly have. But you only really get that benefit if the church is paying assistance to help you with the bill, or or your compensation is large enough that they've that they're saying out of this is your responsibility from day one. Um, to understand that. So, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I thought all churches did that. No. Okay. No. So, this is what... So, yeah. The, often what will happen is... I'll ask a question. What's the average church pay? What's a typical church pay? And I was like, well, what are you, what are you accustomed to paying now? Because they don't all talk the same thing. The, and probably that self-employment tax assistance is the biggest discrepancy that you will find. Well, we pay our... We have a package of $50,000, okay? You have two churches. They both have a package of $50,000. Church A has a salary of $50,000, and some of that could be segmented as, as housing. But then on top of that, we will cover about $12,000 worth of health insurance benefits. We will provide $6,000 in, in retirement contribution Etc. Etc. So total package, you know, let's just throw out a number, eighty thousand dollars. Church B has a package of fifty thousand dollars. 
And pastor, from that, you've got to pay all of your taxes. And from that, you've got to pay your own health insurance. And if you want to put anything in retirement, it's going to come out of the 50. But both churches are paying their pastor $50,000. But they're not talking the same language necessarily. So I always have to make sure I'm trying to get it as apples to apples as I possibly can in that regard to make sure that that one church that's paying 50 and another church that's paying 50 are actually paying 50. Does that make sense? Yeah. Any other questions? Next, Monty again. <sighs> he's gonna make me. He's gonna make me pay for bringing up health insurance. Go ahead. I'm sorry. How's the effect of dismantling parts of Obamacare going to impact church? If you know what. I. How is it? How is the? How is the dismantling or some reversion of of the Affordable Care Act going to affect the local church? I don't know the full ramifications of that. My unfortunate, my pessimism um, and sneaking suspicion is it's not going to help it in all the ways we would like it to help it. Uh, for instance, there has been a bit of of a of a reversion uh, for those that came to um, one of my sessions last year. Uh, we talked about the uh, qualified small employer health reimbursement arrangement. Was anybody in the room last year for that? That was one of the first, and actually, President Obama did that. That was that was before that was before Trump was even in office, and that allows for what once was known as the the standalone health reimbursement arrangement. That allowed for that to happen again, except they didn't go all the way back to what it used to be. Because now, you if you want to have that in place, then you have to have official plan document in place. You have to have W two reporting. So all of the regulations got to stay around. Um, and so, will it? I think in the end, I think it could. It could have a beneficial impact on that. On that, it will maybe overall some of those health care costs that were causing insurance rates to go up may may taper to, I'm not going to say they're going to go down, but they may not be as aggressive as they started out. But that is a great question that I just don't have a full so a full answer for you. That's affected is the fact that the, the uh, tax or whatever it is that they don't get the insurance is going away. Right, right. So that, you know. Yeah, so I don't. I don't know. Anybody else? Yes. I, I love that you brought a lot of questions because otherwise it's going to be really quiet. We, our church has a new pastor because our pastor passed away. Um, and basically everything's done by hand. And we're trying to move into the 21st century. Okay? <laughs> so all these questions are coming up because one question is what is the best software <laughs> package to help with church finance. Oh, I'm not ever going to say church windows. <laughs> I mean, is QuickBooks a good... Does QuickBooks follow... This is my problem. I do secular QuickBooks and secular payroll and all of that and taxes. So I'm kind of trying to get the division between the church and the secular Okay, I have, to, I have to tread carefully because my friend Mark is sitting back here in the back of the room. Mark is with ACS Technologies uh, out of South Carolina. 
Um, the other sessions today have all been a dis- uh, two, two discussions on Realm People, which is a people database management system. And then I did a session on Realm Accounting, uh, which is a church accounting package that, that uh, pairs with Realm People. Um, but Mark also knows that I, that there is another software that I absolutely love. And for someone like you, that is it. Now, if the church wants to fully move into the 21st century, talk to Mark after church, after class, this church for me, but, um, uh, because it is a full-blown church management product that, that allows you to manage not only the accounting, but also to manage your full church infrastructure as far as all of your classes, all of your, um, your small groups, your family structure you're able to maintain where you could put mom, dad, mom, you know, little Johnny, little Susie, uh, and the baby. You can put all of them in, in the household together. Uh, you can do contribution records natively from the software. And it is a fully web-based system that allows you to uh, have a have an app, a mobile app infrastructure that allows for online giving or text giving. You can have um, app communications with your with your uh, with your church, with your small groups, uh, and so forth. So it's a full blown product. If it huh? small church, small church, there for those that are either a network affiliated church or a church plant. And, and I'm trying to twist his arm that even if you're general counsel and you are 50 or less on an average weekly attendance, I'm not going to say everybody that would call your church home because I have about a hundred people that would call my church home and I never see all of them on a given Sunday. I'm a little church plant. Um, but if you've got an average weekly attendance, typical weekly attendance of 50 or less, then there is special pricing available for Realm where they would love to, to give you the service free for six months. Um, where they would, uh, they will, um, which, and they will waive the initial setup charges that they charge for a new client. And then for the, for, for the next 12 months, they will give you the accounting product for free. And then after that, it's whatever the standard base level pricing is, which currently, if you were paying for everything right now, 74, 64, 73 or $74 a month. But it won't cost you a thing for six months. Um, now, Mark knows that there is another product, and I've talked about it here in this, in this actually three, two years ago. Whenever we were at Ohio Wesleyan University, we did, we did a breakout session, a couple breakout sessions on Aplos accounting, um, which for those coming from the QuickBooks world is the probably about the easiest possible thing you could imagine. But it is a software that is built specifically to run a church's accounting system. What is that Aplos, A-P-L-O-S dot com. Are they um, user-friendly? <laughs> Mark, can you leave the room, please? <laughs> um, no, Mark, Mark and I, we, we, he hears me say this all the time. I have two... I, Aplos has actually asked me to put my name on on them as my preferred provider, and I said I can't, I can't because I love I love ACS too much as well. Um, but but Aplos is a phenomenal company. They do have a lot of great integrations built integrations built in, um, but they actually can serve and currently are serving a few of our Ohio churches as 
the most basic church management product you could you could imagine. You cannot do family structures, you can't do classes, you can't do anything like that, but you can put Mr. and Mrs. Smith on a contribution record together natively and have online giving natively with their system. Um, and so, and, and you can have a basic from $25 a month up to $240 a month, depending on what level of accounting services you want to take advantage of. Um, and they do have a third party preferred provider for payroll processing that integrates with them. Realm is, Realm is going to have payroll integrated by the end of this year. So it'll be up and running next year for, for 2019. Um, but if you already use a, a third party or are willing to engage a third party to do your payroll processing, you, you could use, you could use Realm now if you wanted to. Uh, I use, we use ministry works for our payroll for our church in addition to using Realm, uh, to manage our church, uh, in our church accounting. So, I can highly recommend either one of those. I joked a little bit about not recommending church windows. I've never actually used church windows, so I can't really speak anything bad about it. I know there's, we have a couple of churches that use it and love it and not going to speak anything ill of it. Um, for church yep. Uh, Monty is at Aurora New Life. That's where my friend Josh Williford is the pastor. Josh is the one who entered. It's kind of odd. I, he said, hey, I'm ready to get rid of, I'm ready to dump QuickBooks. What do I do? Like two months before, I had received an email from an accountant colleague of mine, and he, and he was saying, hey, you need to check out this Apple's company. I pretty much ignored the email, but when Josh said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to dump, dump QuickBooks, what should I do? I said, hey, I just got this email a little while back. Why don't you check out Aplos? That was during minister's retreat three years ago. That was Tuesday. Fr- Saturday, he calls me. This is amazing. You need to, you need to take a look at this. And so, uh, uh, so he, he uses that. As, as Monty mentioned, they use Breeze, which is an online church database system. Uh, $50 a month for everything. Or at least that's what it used to be. I don't know if it's what it is still. But for Breeze, it's... $50 a month for every piece of capability that Breeze has, no matter what the size of your church is. And they have an integration with Aplos so that when you post your contributions in Breeze, it will affect your general ledger uh, for you. Um, and that's one of the things that Aplos has done is they've, they've allowed that application integration um, between different web products. And it's and uh, so Apple's is a really good product. I can't. I will never say anything bad about them. They're not complete. No, they're not intended. They don't ever plan to be. They they plan to just be an accounting product. But again, because of the because of the integration they have with other providers, you can you can build your hybrid environment if you want to. Don't you want a double set of books, basically entry to receive and then pay out? What do you mean by that, Monty? Charitable contributions come in and you track those. Don't you want to do that separately from your payroll and your paying of the bills? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily, because I mean, you're you're going to have your dual entry accounting there, you know, in either way, because your your entry that comes from the contributions, uh, no matter where it comes from, is going to have to post into a cash account and post onto different revenue accounts. Um, and now, you if you choose to have different bank accounts because you want all your payroll dollars segmented, you could do that, but you can, you know, both 
Realm accounting and Aplos's design that you can run it with one bank account and have all of your fund breakouts where you can have all your designations properly allotted and accounted for. Um, you wouldn't have to worry about that too much. So let me ask you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what Apple is providing is just the accounting aspect. Yeah, because they've recognized that there are a a big word moment. There's a plethora. I love that word. Sorry, uh, a plethora of online church database systems, and almost every single one of them. I can think of two. Realm is one of them. Um, all but two of them that I know of do not have accounting. Now this is, and some, some, they will say they have accounting, but what they mean is they manage contributions. <laughs> they are not the same. They are related, yes, but contributions attached to a name, and so that's people product. Contributions attached to a name, so that's people product. Accounting is not contributions. Contributions come into accounting, but there's a whole lot else that happens over in that world. And so if you're ever shopping for something, make sure you understand when it says accounting, what it's, it's that whole apples to apples thing. Make sure you understand what it's talking about. So they've recognized that there is a ton of products that, that provide people management. Uh, Breeze, Servant Keeper, Planning Center, uh, church community builder. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget some already. Um, that do not have, that do not have accounting integrated with them. church windows. They are somewhat like ACS technologies in that they're an older product that is now delivered over the web. It is not truly a web product. Um, but because it, it, they haven't really, well, well, again, I don't know it that well, but I've seen it. Um, it's, it's, it's not truly a, a web integrated solution. Um, it's just an old product delivered in a new way. Uh, Realm is a web based system. It's all web based system that the people management and accounting management, there is a toggle where you can say, turn them on, where they are connected together. It's one. So when contributions happen, they hit the GL. And when online giving is involved, you don't even have to do any posting of contributions for it to hit the GL. It's just there, which is really, really cool. Really, really cool. What's that? I don't know, Church Pro. Again, one of those I've heard of. There are, there are other products. They use Power Church at Bethel Christian in Dayton. Power Church is it, I think it may be delivered over the web now. I don't know that for sure, but I think it, it's all in house. Uh, and, and my product used to be an in-house product and church windows used to be an in-house product, but it just is delivered over the internet, but it's still the same old software. Um, but, uh, I don't think that it's, it's been built like realm has been built to be a web product that has accounting. Um, I, I'm the other name. I can't even remember the theme of that company is. I've never touched it. So I don't want to say it anyways, cause Parsons technology store. Parsons Technology, no. They used to do what's, they used to do what's called Membership Plus. And Realm is the successor to Membership Plus because ACS bought Membership Plus several years back. Probably 15. Five years. That's what I was going to guess. The accounting product for Realm. Hi, Daniela. I'm sorry. I saw you earlier and it didn't even register until I was, Craig and Daniela are here. I was with them on 
Tuesday? Monday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, uh, Realm has been around for about five years. The accounting product has been, a, has been marketed for less than two years. We're approaching two years. I've been using it for about two and a half. I've, I was a pilot tester with the Realm accounting product. Um, and uh, when, when you say web, um, if, if, if your internet goes down per se, <laughs> storm or something, you have to, the only way you can get it is through the web. For, forgive my ignorance, okay? No, I know where you're going. Go ahead. Well, do you download all that stuff anyways? Do you have your own stuff on the computer and it, you're... No, I don't. It, it's, everything is out there. Everything is out there. I know what you're saying. So, so what happens if you don't have internet? Well... <laughs> go to Starbucks. Go to Panera. But that, but see, the I don't mean to be facetious about that. It's a very genuine concern. But that is so. The so the the pro, the 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 con on one side is the pro on the other. You know, um, if I if my building burns down and I did not be and I was really really bad at doing my backups, then I lost everything on my on my on my server installed system. Uh, so what I uh, so the the advantage of a web-based system is that they do all of the backup for you. They they have uh, ACS has the redundancies built in that I can count on two fingers the number of times in the last six almost seven years that that our web-delivered product, not web-based product, I'm, I, it's a it's a semantic difference there. Um, one product again is just it, nah, I can't even hard to explain it, but two times in the last six almost seven years that I have not been able to access my data because and and one of those times was was because ACS was having a problem or no they were having a hurricane little problem little problem and the other time was because um, time uh, well. Not Time Warner, but the um, the internet pipeline for the northeast part of the country was down, so most of Ohio was having problems. Mark, the, um, a real difference why things are moving to cloud based is because today's applications, especially if you see Realm, it's very user friendly, very quick, very 2018. But these programs are becoming so massive that if you were to load this on your computer, your computer probably wouldn't hold it. To make it so easy, they have to make it huge. To make it huge, they, they host it. What you can load on your, your laptop is going to have minimal uh, capacity. Does that make sense? So as technology is growing and we want more click, 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 and everything's done, it's getting... If you remember, it used to be that you could go and get a CD of... Um, QuickBooks and, and run it. Now it's QuickBooks Online because it's gotten so large that it would take too long to download and it would just eat up your, your hard drive. Essentially, uh, what you're, you're just pulling down what you need for that particular point and then go back. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, literally, on Sunday mornings, um, for the we were here for the people sessions earlier, uh, on Sunday mornings, I will stand at the back of my church 
at the sound booth while I'm running pro presenter for the media while Julie is preaching. I will stand at the back and I'm thinking my hotspot's kind of dead, so I don't know if it'll work or not. But I will pull up my Firefox app for my tablet here, uh, Android tablet, and I will open up the um, first, I will open up our check-in system, and I will try to actually check in anybody that got missed or, did, or that missed our check-in system. And then if, then I will go from the check-in system to the actual attendance system, because that's the, that's the back end. I can, I could hand the check-in system to anybody, and I wouldn't worry about what they, because they can't do any, they can't do any harm to my database, just checking people in. But then I will log in, and I will go to the attendance for each group, and I will verify, okay, here's this worker. She oh, she put that over there, or they checked into the wrong group, because I have some people who are registered as both, uh, they may be in the main service group, plus they may be in the kid men's working group, and they check into both, and I, I got to un- take them out of there. Um, so I will I will do that all from my tablet. I couldn't I couldn't do that on your product, probably. Um, but I can, I could hand this to any, in a larger church, I could hand this to any usher with, or, or if you have your board members are assigned to regions of your auditorium where they're supposed to know people, where you could, at, you know, in service, they could be sitting there and they could be taking attendance. So you could have an actual count of everybody, everybody that walked in. I'm trying to see if I can. Yeah, I think my hot my hot spot is. Is is Realm the product? What's the ACS? Sorry, ACS. Automated Church Systems is the product that I purchased as a Greenhorn Church Administrator back in 2000. That company is now known as ACS Technologies, and Realm is their latest product. So Realm is their software that they're selling from ACS Technologies for churches, for churches and non and nonprofits. Yeah, yeah, they have they have a product called Parish Data Systems, which is for the diocesan world, Episcopal, Catholic. They have Headmaster, which is a which is a K twelve Christian school, private school software. Um, other, I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, so I was trying to get I was trying to get my browsers dead or my. And you watch the 15-minute video, and then it asks you three or four questions, and it grades you on it. So if you have a new children's minister, they can go in and watch those videos at 3 in the morning, if that's when their Starbucks kicks in, and they can take the test, and as you can go in and see that they've gone through and completed all the courses. Because a lot of times, why we get frustrated with software is not the software, it's the users. We don't know, we didn't know it could do something. Well, now there's no excuse oh, for people to know. We are past time. Are we yet? Oh, we got three. We had three fifteen. Sorry. Uh, okay. Next session is at three thirty. Yeah, I was trying to get back on my hotspot, but it is not cooperating. So, um, other questions? Yes. Um, we do power church. Power church. Okay. Because it's wet or whatever. But how hard is it to change from one system to the other? If you would change from Power Church to a another system, 
If you were if if you were to change from one church database to another church database, how difficult would it be? Well, I would if I were considering that. The first thing I would my first consideration would be: Does the company that I'm considering provide some kind of conversion functionality? If they don't, I'm not. They're not going to be on my menu of possibilities. And I know that because I've done that in in year 2000. Guess what software I moved from? Power Church. I moved from not because I had anything. I have no issues with. I've never actually used it. That's the challenge. I never actually used Power Church. The board of the church was already frustrated with it, and I didn't want to climb an uphill battle. So I. That's when I first selected automated church systems, and I paid for my data to be converted. And here's the beauty of that. Because I paid for it, they did it a few times before it was what I wanted. And I, and I said, nope, this wasn't, this was not in the right space. Nope, that's not in the right space. And they did it until it was where I wanted it to be. And so I'm not going to look at a potential, a potential place unless they can help me with the migration. That assumes I want to keep the data. Some of you all may be so frustrated with it. You're saying, I just want to start over. God bless you. Knock yourself out. Um, don't call me, please. <laughs> uh, um, but if I'm, but there is value in that old data. Keep it, and you can. And if you can find a company that can help you migrate, then absolutely, not, just not make sure. Just, that, not just the data, the, the structure that we're used to seeing how things are. This uh, is my administration. You know, this is my ministry. Yeah, that will be totally different. Because yeah. the, the look and feel is going to be a whole lot different because that's the nature of different software companies. So that will be part of your, your search process of finding one that, that, that you will be comfortable with in the long run. But what Mark said is absolutely true because I've said that in the, fr- the previous three sessions. The challenge is always the, the frustrations that I have seen when, when I get those phone calls. What software should I use? I'm having a difficulty with this. I will ask them, have you paid for any training? And inevitably the answer is no. And I say, that is why you're frustrated. Because if you do not know how to use the software, you will be frustrated with the software. It doesn't matter. You will be frustrated with Realm if you never learn how to use it. And the only way you can learn how to use it, to, to use it is to make an investment. That's going to either, it's going to be an investment of one thing or another or both. It's going to be investment of time or money or both. You may have to spend some money to take the time. You may have to pay for some specific training. What, what Mark was mentioning with regarding Realm U, and I really wanted to show you because I've got a long-standing relationship with ACS. They like me. So I haven't, I haven't, I'm not a rusty wheel that gets the grease, I don't think, yet. Um, but I, I make a lot of noise for them, but they know I love them. Um, that they've let me into a preview of Realm U, and I've actually already gone through about four of their classes, the little, again, 20 minutes tops. I, I took longer because I was being really slow doing other stuff, but um, I didn't miss any questions, so I guess I was paying attention enough. Because um, you do get you get some review questions, but because they have that available, that will that will help flatten out that learning curve when you have turnover, because that's what happens so when somebody gets frustrated with a product it's because they inherited something. And, and I'm gonna be very honest. Forgive me, Pastor. What happens is a new pastor comes into a church. So that's not the case because Pastor Dan's been in Bethel, Bethel Christian for a nice long time. But a new pastor comes to a church and they liked product X and they want the church to go to product X. And, and so they, they go there. That pastor leaves. And then the next person's frustrated because product X is just not working right. Well, they never learned how because the previous pastor probably helped everybody limp along and figure it out. 
because that's what he liked. I'm a bit of an enabler, so I've helped a lot of people figure out stuff with ACS. I've helped now people st figure out stuff with Realm. Um, so good, bad, right or wrong, I don't know if that's... But that's the problem is because I see is that they just don't take the time to stop to learn it. Well, I already know this. Yeah, but your church isn't paying for that. Your church has made a massive investment of time and money into this particular product. So with Realm U, there are some things that are paid. They're longer and more in-depth topics. But I, the, the setup, configuration, how-to is all included in that. And then if you wanted to get some more in-depth training, you can, you can add that on. So there are, I know that Church Windows has some training that's available. You, they can have people that can come to you to teach. ACS will come to you and teach you a class, but it will cost you about $1,000 to bring a person on site. Uh, yeah, ACS, yes. Sorry, sorry. But, you know, if you want to spend a couple of days in Florida, you could fly to Orlando to the conference they host at the end of May. And... <laughs> <laughs> How many days? Three nights. Three nights. It is one of the best conferences you'll ever attend if you ever make it down there. Um, but they they have they have online uh, they have online library available, like you were saying for Realm U. But they you know you can come you can go to Florence, South Carolina, and get a week of training. You know and you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and here's the, and here's what I here's what I have heard people at the ACS conference, the trainers, this is what they will say. Don't ever spend more than 5 minutes trying to figure something out. Call us. Call us. And I and when I first went with them in in 2000, I remember that was in the days when computers you had to like shut them down and restart them when you installed something. You know, that's that was Oh, so long ago. Um, you know, so I would, I would, I do not recall a time of ever being on the phone with them for th more than 30 minutes, including that shutdown and restart time. And they would walk you through hand in hand. This is what you do. Go here, do that. And inevitably they're going to fix your problem if, or, or whatever it is. Um, if there's something you just can't figure out to do, how to do it, call them. Because you're going to spend more time trying to figure it out than they will. And nowadays, with with remote desktop capabilities, they will log into your system with you, and you'll be able to see exactly what it is that they're doing, and and be able to walk through. And if the you know if it's if it's a matter of building a new report structure parameter, they'll they'll save it for you. I mean, it's just great great support. And I didn't mean for this to be a whole realm commercial, although the rest of the day has been. So why should this session be any different? I love helping churches. Part of what I do almost every week is answer phone calls and emails. Uh, occasionally I will, will get out and, and visit a church uh, that is uh, needing some assistance, whether that's actually um, like an internal control assessment like I did for our church in Lindhurst earlier this week. Uh, if it is something literally with your software that you can't figure out, I have gone to one of our churches that has QuickBooks and helped them figure out some issues with QuickBooks. I'm not massively versed in QuickBooks, but I have used it before for a church, so I'm, I'm familiar with it. Um, and um, I have helped a number of our churches that have, that have 
you know, just had questions about what, you know, what software do I choose? My first question in response to that question will be, what do you need? Meaning, if you're happy with your people product, I'm probably going to recommend Aplos. Mark knows that. I've said that to people at ACS numerous times. Because if they're happy with their people product, I don't want to fix what's not broken. Accounting's broken, I'm going to fix accounting. If I have nothing or I'm sick of this whole thing, I'm going to recommend Realm nine times out of ten. Because that they needed something that provides the whole solution. Probably 99 times out of 100. Um, any other questions? Because we technically have about two and a half minutes. Uh, quickest answer to what is necessary for document retention is going to be um, two things. Keep keep some stuff forever, and that's going to be your... And, and when I say keep it forever, I'm not saying it has to be a hard copy. I have done my absolute best to be paperless for my church. That means I've got a lot of PDF files scanned in the cloud. So I may keep stuff Literally forever, because I can, and it's not taking up storage. When you're paper records, seven years is going to be the rule of thumb, except for the things you want to keep forever. That's going to be anything that has to deal with your property and minutes, your meeting minutes, your history, your bylaws, constitution, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's going to be seven years. Some of that is actually less than that, but if you do seven years, you've met the, so it's not worth, like, three years. That's what I said was less, but um, if you kept it seven years, you're fine because you kept it long enough. With regards to uh, keeping documents, yeah. Google Cloud, is that um, safe enough to keep it? Oh, yeah. It's safe enough because as, as, you, as long as you're using one of the respectable services that's got enough, that's got enough of, a, of encryption, that's going to be fine. I use Dropbox for almost everything, um, but you could use Google Drive. Anything that's password protected that, that, that's, you know, got got a, a good encryption layer on it. So um, now, here actually, here, here is also what I do for my church. I went out and I bought, and you don't have to use this one, and, and there are now reasons why I may have considered buying another product. I bought a Western Digital MyCloud. It's a private cloud drive. So it's not as fast as Dropbox, but I can... I control what's on that device. And there's, it's, it's in my basement on my desk, and our church has all kinds of stuff that we've backed up to that that is nowhere else on the Internet. It is in my basement. What's it called? It's a Western Digital MyCloud. There's, I mean, all kinds of just personal cloud devices. Uh, you could get a drive, uh, Western Digital, Seagate. They all sell some version of that. Uh, what's that? Supportable hard drive, but they all, but you're looking for one that has a cloud capability, not just a, not just an external drive. It needs a, it needs to have a cloud capability where it'll have some kind of interface that you, that you connect it to. That way, if it broke or your house burned, then you would still have something in the cloud? Is that how that works? Technically, no, but you weren't supposed to ask that question. No, um, cause some of that stuff I actually have re- redundant in a couple of cloud services, but that's a, I'm trying to remember the name of that company. There's Crash Plan Pro is an is a is I think it's ten dollars a month for one computer. And when it's one computer, it doesn't matter how big that capability is, you can back up whatever's on that one computer and you can link an external drive to that. So you that would be actually an offline, off-site, I mean off-site uh replication of that. 
So that's something for me to think about. Thanks for that tip. You all have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. God bless.